This episode is brought to you by our friends at Attack, A-T-A-C. Attack is an app for athletes because champions aren't born, they're made. Attack is a training app for athletes where you have access to mental, physical, nutritional, all sorts of help. It's like having a trainer in your pocket. It's like having a mentor in your pocket. The Attack app is something that all wrestlers should have access to. Download the Attack apps in the Apple Store. It's in the Google Play Store. Download Attack today. There's options. You can go on their social and you can go on their website. You can head over to their Start Engine investment campaign. If you want to invest in Attack, you can. So follow them on social, ATAC.app. It's Bashomania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do? What Bashomania runs wild on you? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. We are back, Bash Mania, episode 181, with the legend of the sport, Jake Herbert. How are you, man? I'm doing well. I wish we would have waited three more episodes now, so I got to hit that 184, you know? <laughs> I know somebody <laughs> somebody commented. I can't remember if, like, Roman Bravo Young was episode 133, or there was something where it lined up perfect with their weight, and they were like, every time you hit a weight, you should do somebody at that um <laughs> Mark, and we're at 181, so we missed a lot of the weights, but we do we do still have some left. Um, so this is an episode that's long overdue. I really want to curate this conversation around recent events. You have done so many episodes about your whole career. You've done a lot of interviews. There's a lot out there, so we'll 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 talk about some of it. But a lot of this, I want to tie to recent events and see how we can kind of pull value out for listeners. Um, you know, growing the sport as cliche as it is, I, I think it happens around conversations, awareness. So I'm excited for this conversation. Um, for those maybe living under a rock, Jake's an NCAA champ, world silver medalist, Hodge trophy winner, an absolute slew of ac- accolades. One of the things though, that I love the most, and I think anybody who knows him will, will vouch for as well is the number of things you've tried to do to help the sport grow. I remember I was um, Jordan Burroughs agent brought me involved back in 2013. I think it was with the save Olympic wrestling movement. I remember being involved in that with you way back then. I remember you teaching these guys how to use Dropbox and Google drive. I was looking through an old email yesterday. I was cracking up, but you have been involved on so many levels with trying to propel the sport forward and one thing that I know you did a couple of years ago was base wrestling. And before we go too far, why don't you explain for people who haven't heard base wrestling, what that is. So it's just, it's just a wrestling system, right? It's systemizing. And that was the creation of me and Andy Robats, uh partnered up that. And we basically just Frankenstein the best of um, the Russian wrestling system, right? Of what they use. Cause they have a Russian, they have a, a system, right? Like yeah. I mean, again, you go anywhere in Russia, you're going to have youth, uh, high school, you know, uh, elite level, Olympic level, they have the same practice structure, right? Yeah. Throughout the whole thing. You can't find three high schools that have the same practice structure within here. So we're all over the place fragmented. So we just took the best of, of Russia, combined it with uh, the best of USA gymnastics and their physical literacy component and, and put that together for um, 
and again, it's for wrestling clubs that want to grow, right? Yeah. And again, we base it on, you know, increasing participation, increasing retention, increasing physical literacy, right? And increasing the wrestling knowledge. Because if you have more kids who are around the sport longer, who have better, um, you know, who, who are better athletes, you're going to get more wins as a team and as a club. And you haven't even taught anything wrestling yet. Right. And then once they learn, then we systematize how, how they learn, learn wrestling. So um, it was something that I, I trained on and found that the most improvement that I've made with it. And it's a lot of, of still what's happening, what the, the elite levels uh, and the colleges are still are, are doing. Majority of them are kind of doing it, but it's just hard for them to put it on a piece of paper, put it in a booklet or unload it. Right. You have to spend like months there learning the systems. So we kind of just made it easier for people. And to what led you to starting that? Well, it was just like, and again, it's, it's, it's even more now. I think, I think the wrestlers that are my age, it's just seeing that the lowest level of wrestling in Russia, it's completely different. The, in Russia, Kale isn't coaching, you know, Kale and Bormat and these guys are all coaching at the highest level, only coach the highest athletes. In Russia, it's almost flipped vertically where you have the best coaches down working at the youth level. And you're starting to see that a little bit now with the clubs like, you know, Askren Wrestling Academy, Young Guns. Um, you know, uh, a pinnacle, all these other little clubs that are coming up are, are having that, that success that are there, but those are still the, uh, the exceptions, not the norm. The norm is, all right, we have an elementary school program. Hey, dads, dads, anybody here ever wrestle? Six hands go up, right? All right, great. You had a wrestle in 15 years. You were six and 12 and you're going to coach, uh, how you remember wrestling back in 1985. So there wasn't any resource to, to sit there to help these programs or even the mindset around it, like grow and be better. Yeah. And that's important too, because I was one of those guys who was six and 12. And if my kid starts wrestling and they do that, I might not even raise my hand because there is, there is a huge plague too with, with parents living through their kids and they jump the gun on saying, I'm not qualified for this, but I want to. Do you also think that, you know, part of what initiated this conversation was Bashada texting me as soon as people were talking last week about this whole medical forfeits crisis and people not wrestling and he had said, like, Jake has hit this nail on the head a hundred times with why you're seeing less competition. I mean, I talked about it with Kevin Dresser last week about the number of matches that all Americans wrestle. And it's down like 30 percent or something, you know, and it's like the, the number of matches we're seeing is down. The number of medical forfeits is way up. Do you think this stems from overtraining and kids not? growing up in the system the right way yes 100 and, and let me just to, to put a button on the last point just because i have an olympic uh you know or sorry just because i'm an olympian right and i have a world medal and, and all these national championships doesn't necessarily make me a better coach than than someone else there are there are youth wrestling coaches who might not have wrestled past high school greg Erbus being an example at saint ed's right i don't think he he actually really uh i don't know what his wrestling background is i don't know if he ever actually competed but he built that program that history for that. so there are there are people out there that can be better coaches um then just because i know the wrestling move and the skill doesn't necessarily make me a, a better coach and transition them. So I want I want to make sure that that's stated and, and justified out there, right? Because now with nowadays you could run a whole wrestling practice through just YouTube videos and clips and things here. It, yeah. It's amazing what the technology is doing. So so and, and on to your your question that you're talking about is yes yes I mean I mean when you talk about burnout you you have two ways you have mental burnout and fatigue and you have physical burnout and fatigue right and I look at that if you look at this right you look at the wrestling hotbeds Ohio is like notorious for this. 
of getting a four-time high school state champion and they just are burned out. They can't barely make it or finish through the college season, right? They're peaking too soon. And, and the way that I put this, uh, Justin, I wish you could see this. And uh, yeah, let me draw, draw it here on this board right here. Yep. But essentially, we all have a bell curve of competition, right? So this is uh, competition. This is time. And what happens is everybody's bell curve is like this. Got it. At some point, I start competing in wrestling. Maybe that's as a as a you know maybe that's as a five year old, right? Yeah. Or maybe this is as a fifteen year old. But I, I, you have everybody retires. Father time is undefeated. I only have so many penetration steps in my knee before I have to get surgery before it breaks. I only have so many times I can pull on a single leg before my body breaks down, right? That 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 happens. So what it is is how do I maximize this top part, yeah. right? Because, I mean, we could argue right now, right, like 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 Burroughs, Dake, like these guys are getting a little bit older. They're probably on this end of the bell curve. Yeah, But definitely. they're slowing down and doing it smarter to make this part really last, yeah. really last long. And everybody's is a little bit different, right? So it's that number of competition that comes in. And, and again, you talk about both sides. You have the physical aspect of it with, um, you know, with the body breaking down and everything else. But then you have the mental fatigue, too. With that's where the weight cutting comes in, the anxiety of competing, of, of what it's going for too. So it really starts back with, well, what, what everybody should be asking these youth wrestlers is what's their goal with wrestling? And and, and are you are you familiar with the study from the book, The Talent Code, about musical instruments and, and children? I don't think so, no, but I'm very curious on this. Super fascinating, right? They, they basically took uh, a bunch of third graders and they said, uh, they put them into three categories. They said, we're going to give you a musical instrument. And they said, are you going to play this musical instrument for the rest of the year throughout high school or for the rest of your life? And then they got put in those categories, right? So it was either like, right, am I going to wrestle just for the year? Am I going to do it throughout high school? Or am I going to look to make a career out of this or do this for a lifetime? There's three categories there. And then what they did is they put them into practice sessions. They One group would practice, all right, uh, uh, you know, and, and they would judge them. Are you practicing one hour a week, three hours a week, or five hours plus a week? And here's what they found out from this mindset, from this, from this, the ones that practice for one hour a week, but were committed to playing the instrument for the rest of their life improved more than the ones who committed to playing just for the end of the year, but were practicing five hours a week. That's crazy. It's insane. It's insane. And that, and that study can be related to everything else because of that mindset of, of how long am I going to do this for? So, which goes back to, Right. How much should I be competing? What should I be competing? What what should I be doing? How do I get them involved? Yada yada. Because you just don't know. Because every child is different. Every mind is different, right? Of where that is. And and, and again, the best one I, I love it is, um, you know, what what happens if you draw drive a car, right? You do get an awesome Ferrari out there, and it's all souped up, and you drive it, you know, two hundred fifty miles an hour, five hundred miles a day, every single day, right? What's going to happen to that car? Engine's going to wear out. Tires going to wear out. It's going to break down. So you got to have those seasonalities yeah. on and off and up and down and in and out. Right. Yeah. And it's crazy too, because a lot of times, like I wrestled in middle school and high school and I was no good. And there's a part of me that wants my kid to kind of be no good because of the aspect of, I learned so much from the sport and never had to worry about the craziness you're seeing. And I'm curious you know, one of the ways I already know I want to frame this podcast is an Olympian's advice to parents 
of youth wrestlers. Because I see from having this podcast and being around the wrestling world for so long, I get a lot of Facebook friend requests and, and some of these people I see and the stuff they're doing for their kids competing seems crazy. And I can't say nothing because I'm not in that in that position yet. But I'm curious for all of the parents listening of a youth wrestler, what would your advice be on not just necessarily, you know, making decisions, but overall is is your would your advice be what you just said of figure out how long your kids want to wrestle or what's that approach like for you if somebody were to say like me like my son's about to be one at some point he's going to want to start wrestling i'm sure and it's going to be me calling people like you and saying hey what's your thoughts on this should i limit his this that you know what i mean yeah so so my again i, I worry i'm giving advice but my suggestion um would be to one engage your kid with it too, right? Like one, they should have a choice in it too. And I understand my, my four and a half year old son, we were set to go to wrestling yesterday at the three. And again, this would have been his fourth practice lifetime, right? Okay. The fourth practice he ever went to. We found a youth wrestling program um, here in the area because I'm, I'm scouting to do it. It would have been his fourth one. He's four and a half, right? So it would have been his fourth one. When I came home, he's like, you know, dad, I don't want to go to wrestling. No problem. You know what we ended up doing? freaking wrestling on the couch right like <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's what we ended up doing so it's like it's like i could have forced them i could have dragged them and, and kind of been in there but he's four and a half so so most of the kids don't even start till they're six right that's that's the way the club is they just you know again i brought him in a couple to kind of see it right so i, I would i would advise this as first easy entry into the sport bring him around bring him to a match have him watch it Put on some YouTube yeah. videos, play around with them at the house, have friends come over, make it short because their attention span under six years old is that of like a gnat still, right? Yeah. So it's got to be really easy in, and it's got to be fun. They got to make it a good time. And, and again, you, you got to judge this off your child's temperament. My son is, you know, right? Like just got the, the, the preschool call last week. My wife's so ashamed. My son's the one that is apparently tackling kids on the <laughs> playground. Go figure Right. Like, go figure Who saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. And you ask him and like, he played soccer for, uh, you know, introduction to soccer. And when I asked him, Hey, what was your favorite part about soccer? It was, Oh, I love tackling the other people. I'm like, all right, you're, <laughs> you're probably not going to be a soccer player. Right. Like it's, right. it's his temperament, right. That's not, yeah. um, that's not who he is. And that, and that's different. So, so know that, and then make your child, it's not just about you, right. It's, it's, if it is about you. And that is one thing that I would, I would suggest every youth wrestling coach ask, right, you give a survey to your parents as the kids are joined, is what do you want your son or daughter to get out of wrestling, right? What do you want them to get out of it this year and as a lifetime? And then what you can do is there's a difference of a dad being like, I want to be able to go to the bar and brag that my son's the toughest eight-year-old on the block. That's right. a very different person you're going to train because I'm going to teach him different moves and different things. If I, if I know, hey, if I want to be peaking to be a state champion at eight, that's a different training program and training path to be on versus I want him to be a state champion in high school or I want him to get a college scholarship. Yeah. So, so you're, you're going to work, you're going to work with your kids on that as, as they go in and, and hear their feedback and get their, their results. Right. And, and recognize at the end of the day, like, it's really, really hard to be super successful at something if they don't internally love it. Right. Yeah. Like think about, think about how many four-time high school state champions that did it and they got through with it and then they get to college and they go, I'm done. I'm burnt out. Or this, this isn't fun. Or I cut so much weight or I'm, I'm just mentally messed up with it. And then the relationship of the parents is fractured because guess what? Your relationship with your son or daughter should last the rest of your life. 
it's that wrestling. It's not going to lie. You're going to retire. Here I am at 30, 37 years old, retired, right? Been, been out of it for what seems like forever now. Um, <laughs> 2016 <laughs> was, was it right? Yeah. 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 Um, I put out on Twitter last night, if anybody had any questions, there was a couple, one I want to get to right now, but we're still going. Um, Jay Moss asked what to do for youth wrestlers who are putting in the effort, but are not having success during competition and feeling down in the dumps. Yeah. I mean, that, that happens, right? Like, like what it would be is, and again, if they are, and it's on temperament, right? There's something on, I call it the plus minus equal effect. And I may, may end up writing a book on this or not. And it's a pretty cool theory, but I needed three workout partners, right? When, when I was wrestling, I needed a plus, I needed somebody that could beat me, right? Rather I had to go up a weight class, down a weight class, across the country, whatever. I needed somebody to train with that could beat me, that could get the better of me. Um, I needed somebody that was equal that as I got better, they got better. So that we were pushing each other. If I, if I wasn't there at my all, they were getting, and if they weren't there at their all, I was getting them. So we could grow together. And then I need somebody, I needed a negative. I needed somebody that I could beat, beat on from time to time. So I was saying, if that's happening, you got to You got to find them. They probably need to spend more time with the equals and the negatives at that point, especially if they're feeling down on, on themselves from it. They're putting yeah. the work they're doing it. Take them to some easier tournaments, right? Go to other places, find find younger, less experienced people and let them get a couple of wings to build up their confidence. That's a good thing. Now, I'm not saying do that all the time because you need you need a combination of all three. It's just yeah. right now, maybe it sounds like that kid might be getting 75 to 80% of the, the pluses and the equals. Yeah. And it's really challenging. We got to get those wins in there too to keep them going. Yeah, um, go beat up a JV kid. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 exactly. Or if you're a JV, go beat up a modified kid. Yeah. And there's something, um, there's something to that, Justin, like, like there is, there's a lot to that, to being able to work and learn what you have and have that success with it. And I relate that to teaching, right? There's something very, very different. If you really want to master something, you really want to master a single leg, go teach it, right? Or you really want them to understand, have them teach it. I don't know how old this kid is. He could be five, he could be 15, but have them go teach it. Like, it's unbelievable what you learn, right? When I when I got done and, and won my silver medal and I got back to my first practice, Sean Bormet was running overtime school of wrestling. He goes, hey, we really need to work on that leg lace. I was like, all right, great. He's like, all right, show up at uh, 6.30 at the gym and I'll see you there. I show up at 6.30. There's like 60 kids running around. Like, hey, I thought we were going to work on my leg lace. He's like, yeah, we are. Guys, bring it in. Jake, teach your leg lace. And I was like, what? It's so no? funny you say that because back probably about five years ago now, five, six years ago, I started taking up piano lessons. And I got decently good. And my teacher, once I met my wife and we got married, she's like, I would love to, to learn a piano. My piano teacher was like, great teacher. Because I want you to take what I'm teaching you and now teach her on it and watch the way it hits you differently. It's crazy. So definitely great perspective. You know, you've mentioned a couple of times now that you are retired and you've ha you did have so much success on every level. And I'm curious now that you're done looking back, what were your favorite memories or things that you did in the sport competition wise? It was just a travel. I mean, like re reflecting back, I was like, I got paid to be a professional athlete right now, not a, enough to retire off of like an NBA player, but even most of those guys aren't making enough, right? If you play three right. or five years in the NFL, great. You walk away two or 3 million. That's still not enough for it to be done for a lifetime. Right. Uh, it's a good head start. But like, I mean, just the, the gratitude of being able to compete at something I loved. I got to do what I love and chase down my dream. 
right, of, of getting to the Olympics, right, of, of winning a world medal, of representing the honor of representing the United States at the world, you know, in, in the Olympic stage. So I, I love that. And then the different things that it's spun out, right? Getting to be in, in Foxcatcher for it, getting to be, we, we rang the opening bell at the stock market, right? Flying on private jets, uh, the opening ceremonies of the Olympics. Um, these are all just this lifetime experiences. But I would definitely say that my favorite moment was, uh, hands down, it, it almost like tears me up in London. Um, I had 68 people fly over to, to watch me to London. And it was like after weigh-ins and um, I was, I was walking down to, to meet my parents, get to drink and they were like there. But I just remember like everybody was like in one place gathered and just getting hug after hug, after hug, after hug. And just seeing these people from all walks of life. Like, I mean, from the youth, you know, neighbors I knew as a little kid all the way through people I just met in college or, or in, in Ann Arbor. And it was just like, man, that support was, uh, it gets me like choked up just thinking about that and just how grateful that was of seeing these other people's support there. I, I can't imagine how cool it was to represent America at the Olympics. Like that seems like, I, I forgot who said it, but a while ago, somebody had talked about business and, and the adrenaline behind success and wins and, you know, wins in business where you have a good deal, you sign a big client, you hit a big milestone, whatever it is. And that can become very addicting to chase, right? Like you get your biggest client ever, you want to one-up it. You make the most money ever, you want to make more. For you, when you've had those highs in adrenaline in the sport, how do you combat that now in your professional life outside of wrestling? You know, you've had a certain level of like you talk about the moments in London at the Olympics. Like how do you now take that and kind of measure it against the things you're doing in your professional life? Yeah, so that's a great question. And that's that's something that I struggled with for a while is I think it was moving on my identity, right? Which is really funny. Like you ask my my kids and my wife, they're like, Yeah, Jake wrestled. I'm not just a wrestler, right? Like, right. like I, I I tie more to my identity uh to being just a wrestler. That was just one thing, right? Like, great, that was one aspect of life that I I crushed it in. And uh I want to continue to level up and do that in every aspect of life because I'm more than just just a wrestler. Um, and, and it can be challenging, uh, really, really challenging at times to be able to transition that off the mat into business, which, which I did a whole course on. And I love helping athletes transition over, right? I, I create, and I'm actually doing a, a younger mastermind in the creation right now for like youth wrestlers. It's called like, not youth wrestlers, but like that, that age of eighth, eighth grade to high school, right? Mm -hmm. Of beyond the mat. Right. Because great. If they're a four time state champion and they're an asshole, that's I, right. I failed as a coach. I'd rather have a two time state champion. That's a great human being. Right. Like a, like a, a miles a mean. Like I can't say enough. That kid legitimately helps old women across the street. He'll legitimately put back the grocery carts. He'll legitimately like help people out, like out of his way. He's a great student and an even better person. He's somebody that like like I want my my daughters dating somebody like that. Right. When they when they grow up. And, and that's that's more important than him winning that national title, you know, winning that gold medal on, on that thing, too. So so it's by transitioning this over and competing that success, you have to look at it as as it's a whole new realm. Right. It's a whole new thing. I get to restart over and get to have that success in business, in life and those other things, too. Right. And if I just compared it to who I was, well, comparison is the thief of joy. Right. Mm -hmm. So I benchmark it to say, great, I was here in this area and I want to get over there, but recognize. Right. 
back to this guy, recognize that, and this is the most important graph, and it's the same thing. This is success. Let's see if you guys see it. This is success. This is time. And what people think is, people think it's like that, completely linear, right? But what it's really like, it's like a reverse hockey stick for those who are listening. And, and what happens is, is we put five years into something and we think we should be up here, but we're really down here. And this yeah. is the gap that makes people quit because they haven't seen the success yet. Where if you keep going, it took me 16, 17 years to win my first national title, right? I think I won my first university national title, like legit national title, third at Fargo, right? Um, first national title at like 19 there at universities in 2006. And then from 2006 through 2015, when I retired, I had nine national titles. Just like in business, it took me X amount of years to make my first million. And then the second, then it starts going exponential. And you've seen this too with your growth yeah. and what you do in your business. Um, so it's just recognizing that, hey, if I want to get better at everything, it's not really hard. It's just time consuming. Yeah. And you, you know, one thing I, I love about you is that you've not only had success in wrestling, but you've had success outside of wrestling. You know, you've, you've, been involved in a ton of different business ventures and anybody who follows you on social can see from you know real estate to coaching to the podcast you're involved with so many different things and i'm curious somebody like me i had no success in wrestling i own that but what i've learned in wrestling did lead to so much success outside of wrestling and i've tried to encourage people who are wrestling whether they're good or not and a lot of them are good but it's like, don't overlook the process of what you're going through right now, because even though your focus right now, if we're talking about a college kid and his focus right now is winning NCAAs in March, might not win it, might not even get on the podium. But what happens over the next couple of months may help him in 10 years in a business he's going to start or some other aspect in life. I think wrestling makes you a better entrepreneur, father, husband. I think the discipline, it's like there, there's times where, I hear people talking about, you know, they don't want to take the garbage out. It's so cold. It's like you go through a couple hours of wrestling practice, this, that. And it's like, who cares about suffering for three minutes in the brutal cold? My my question is, what would your encouragement or advice be to those who are competing right now? And there's always people who are like, I, I love how you positioned it earlier where, you know, you do got to ask yourself, what do you want out of the next year, five years, lifetime, whatever it may be. But for those people who are either maybe on the fence or just kind of going along for the ride, how would you encourage them to embrace that time of competition right now that I'm sure if you could go back and do it all again, you would. And I'm sure it's not just, you know, Saturday nights in March. I'm sure it's so many more things that go along with it. What would your wisdom be for those that are still competing to take what they're going through now and to not kind of let it go by without really embracing that process? That's a great question. So, right. And this is, I've done this with a lot of like business entrepreneurs that I've helped coach is they sit down and one, you got to define like what success is. It's different for everybody. It might yeah. be making the team, right. Getting off JV, making the team might be success. Getting a win might be success. Scoring a point. Might be, it's, it's different, right? My definition of success in life, I know I'm successful when people are telling me that my kids, kids, my grandkids are good human beings and have the same core values, not the same, exactly, but about 80 to 90% of the same core values that I was able to transfer down to my kids that transferred into them. Yep. So that, that's how I'm defining success in life, right? So one, you need to figure out what success is to you. And then two, 
they talk about, hey, at my on my deathbed, the biggest thing that you could you could biggest fear you can meet is meeting the person you could have been, right? Or or having these ghosts or these regrets. I want to die with as little regrets as possible. Yeah. So too. what what I say to that is what I would encourage you guys to do is what is the fear? What was holding back from going all in? Right. No, like what is the fear? I've I've never met one person that was standing there on the on the Olympic stage that got there, right? When Jordan Burroughs is sitting there looking at his gold medal, they're not looking at it and being like, you know what? I really, you know, I really overtrained for this. You know, I, I probably could have done a little bit less like bleacher runs, or I could have done a little bit more here. I could have they don't think that way. You went all in. Where you do regret it is if you go, man, I missed that opportunity because I didn't give it my all, whatever your all may be. Right. And that's yeah. like you said, wrestling makes you better fill in the blank. It makes you a better father, makes you a better husband. And wrestling makes you better at anything in life. And because so few people are willing to do it, especially in these days, right? And what I call we're living in the the pussification of America era, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, like we need wrestling. You need yeah. to go through that. Your kids need to go through and experience it to whatever ever that 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 time period might be, because it's going to help them. Because what you do in one week of a wrestling practice in general is more and harder than what every other kid in that school will do throughout the rest of the year. Like, so, so that's it. So it's, it's, I would say burn the boats and go all in. You're not going to regret it. Right. Because when you go all in and something, right. You, you had to do it with your, with, you know, with, with your, uh, your, your web development, web page, like you went all in, yep. right. You weren't doing half and half. You burned the boats and you went all in anybody that's been successful goes all in. Right. And I don't think many people here are sitting there being like, Oh, Jake wasn't a success in wrestling. I went all in for the Olympics and I went all in for the worlds and went all in throughout my career and put everything into it. Now I came up short. You know, I'm a, I'm a world silver medalist and Olympian. I, I never got my Olympic gold. I, ne- I didn't get my world championship, um, but I'm okay with it. I'm not losing sleep over that. And I'm able to transition that into other aspects of life because the only way that you can compete against somebody who goes all out is you have to become that person who goes all out. Yeah. Right? That's that's the only way. So that's it's kind of- It's funny too, because like my, my entire twenties, all I did was spend time building my company and figure I'll get married- my 30s have kids in my 30s all these things and i don't look back and regret a minute of my 20s from the time i put in if anything it was like what if i did a little bit more you know but you bring up an interesting point actually parlayed in the next question perfectly bringing up the world and olympic losses because you recently posted about taking your kids to the power aid and in the caption you had said that you don't win silver you lose gold and as someone who's won both gold you've won ncaa championships conference championships hodge trophies like you've won gold you've also won silver world medal other other stuff how do you contrast the two experiences looking back it's a great question right um so it it comes back to the conversation i had with bill zadick right bill zadick and it's really funny when you start looking at this like comparative and success because he told me like once like that he was like man I'm, i'm kind of jealous of you you made an olympic team like bill never made the olympic team right and I'm like, Bill, I'm a little jealous of you. You have a world championship. I, I don't, you know, so like, what, which is, which is better, you know, in his mind, he thinks it's me in my mind. I think it's him um, in his career. So it, it's, it's weird to think about that, but throughout that conversation, he, he, he ended up telling me something awesome. He goes, Jake, you know what the, the worst part about being a world champion is? I was like, oh, what? Contract enforcement girls <laughs> all over you. Like what, Bill? What's what's the worst part from being a world champion? You know. And he looked at me dead serious, and he said, "Not being a two-time world champion." 
-hmm. And I was like, whoa. And that hit me, right? That that really hit me because when I look at my match against Ben Askren as a sophomore, undefeated all the way into the national finals and then losing, I literally, those, those 50 minutes, that hour, two hours after that match, I was so pissed off. I was like, this season was for nothing. This is stupid. It was a waste of time. But I didn't come out here to be silver. I ended up doing that. And it sucked. And at sometimes when things happen, you don't get what you want. That's life, right? You got to yeah. sit in that shit. You got to sit in that and stew and let it feel and fester. And I was able to take that and bottle it. And because of that match, that is what propelled me to then go on and, and not get taken down or beaten again. Right. And you can argue, I think I got taken down once, but I ended up teching the guy. So I don't know if that like actually like counts as a takedown. <laughs> no, I don't think it does. <laughs> like, but but like I had a pretty good career after that because of that match of what I learned in that match, right? Lessons, lessons are caught, not taught. So you have to experience those downs and those lows to get through with that. So and then and then being able to look at those filters of both sides, right? Up here on my my board, it says be grateful but not satisfied. Right. I want to continue to live and be super blessed and grateful for what I have, but know that, hey, I'm always striving to do to do a little bit more and to make that little bit of progress. But I got to give myself grace on how and what I do. Right. Like I'm hard on myself because I haven't achieved the business success that I want, but I've only been in business for, you know, seven years, six years now. But uh, but I, I, I what's insane is 95 percent of the curve. world. Yeah. 95 percent of the world would love the success that I've had so far. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just having that introspective and really taking that time to learn about yourself and um, surrounding yourself with other people that will that will give you grace, too. Yeah. Which leads me to my next topic. And I do want to say before you say that I'm very quick to call myself a success because I've labeled what success is to me, mm-hmm. which is freedom and being able to run my company from my house. And my little 11 month old comes and knocks on my glass office door and I can walk up and see him like that's success. So when I call myself a success, it's not X amount of money. It's not this, this and that. It's my view of of a a quality of life. But you mentioned people around you. And, you know, one thing I love doing before somebody comes on here is I think if they're active on social, you can really pull some, some neat stuff out. And you're no exception to this. And you talked recently about, I think you were in St. Louis, and you talked about getting together with a tribe of like-minded men. And you had talked about, you know, after retiring from wrestling and not having that wrestling room bond, which I miss. If you ask me what's the number one thing, especially being somebody who's never any good, it was we practice at three, that 40 minutes from 2.20 when school ended at 2.15 to 3 o'clock when practice started the greatest 40 minutes on earth. It is, it is nothing else that you can replicate. And that fellowship is amazing. So I'm curious what, what led you to that philosophy of man, I need, cause I didn't really think about it that way until you positioned it that way. It was like, find a tribe of like-minded people. And I actually just reached out to a good friend of mine. Um, he's the assistant pastor of the church I go to. And I said, I'm like, dude, we need a fellowship. And he, is, he was a wrestler, a good one, actually beat me in the finals of every tournament in the, in the JV season. But I said, we need to get like a fellowship of Christian entrepreneurs because I think it's such a camaraderie where you need to be in the trenches with like-minded people. And entrepreneurs are, it's a different world out there. When you're an entrepreneur and there's a lot of different opinions. So I love that. What led you to that of, of trying to find that tribe-like, um, like-minded men? 
Right. So exactly what you, what you said is, is that those are magical times, right? Like my whole life, it's so weird. Three o'clock, right? Most people get like, are they ready for nap? Three o'clock, I'm trained to go, right? Like <laughs> right. <laughs> high school, college, post-college, like that's what, yeah. uh, how many years of my life that is now I'm so old, but that was a lot of years from 31 to, you know, from 13 to 31, you know, yeah. like three o'clock, let's go. Like somewhere in that time period, right? That two yeah. to five, like we're, we're going. Um, and I just so conditioned to that. So, but like, and again, what was great is I was going in the room and surrounding myself and every, every room got better and better and better, right? Like be, being in the, the Cliff Keen wrestling club, uh, being at North, you know, being at the Northwest in the high school room, it was, it was, it was, it was great. I had great people in high school and then to college and then the, the, the uh, regional clubs and the Olympic, Olympic training team and everything else. I was going in the room with guys that wanted to be the best in the world. And when 2016 happened, when I stepped away and I retired from the sport, because there's two paths, right? Either you're going to get in and do, do coaching or you're going to leave, yeah. right? Um, and that was that was hard. So when I left, um, I, I, I attempted to build it in the round where I was at in my area to find people. And, and I'm outgoing and I'm extroverted. So I was able to find people. It wasn't like anything like consistent. So um, that's when I, I, I kind of found the dad's edge mastermind. Right. And, and again, I own businesses. And, and again, there were, I had mentors that were like great in one area, like, great, this guy is awesome. I'll take business advice from him, but his, his relationship with his kids and his wife is crap. And then this guy is like such a great dad. Right. But he makes zero money. Right. Yeah. And this guy has his health in order. Right. Which is great. And he's super healthy in there, but he can't do anything for business. You know, and he's like, like, so like, I wanted to find people that were having it all going on. And that's what it was when you're wrestling, these guys that I'm, I'm hanging with, with Kyle Dake and Jordan Burroughs and Kyle Snyder, they got it in every aspect. They're leveling up in every single aspect of, of, of their life. And it spilled over right into that too. So I just recognized that that's what it was missing, that I was out on my own, trying it for one or two years and it was out missing. And there's so many, that's, what's great about the connectivity, right? The phone, the things they have now that there's, there's that resource out there. And now like, half my working time is I, I lead, I get to lead a mastermind that I was a part of after three years of being, and I was a part of it. They asked me to come over on the other side. So my three coaches and guys that were, were there and it's the mastermind. We, we, we say that none of us is smarter than all of us. Um, you know, and, and we got the lead the jump over and they asked me to become the fourth member and we're up to 50 men who are business owners. Right. And it's great because it's my core values. What's important to me, right? Well, it's God, it's family, and then it's business. So these are men that have done amazing things. I mean, we have some men that are making 150, $200,000 a month in here, and they want to focus on how are we being, you know, how do we lead ourselves? How are we making sure that our cup is full so that I, instead of just having 10 ounces of water where I can only give a little bit to everybody to drink, I can have a freaking gallon jug like this. How do I make sure my cup is growing and it's filled so there's things in there? And then how do I deepen my connection you know, with my wife, with my queen that, that has built this family around her, that she's good, that I'm good, that we're on the same page, that we're connecting, that we're still dating, that we're still falling in love. And then how do we deepen our, our relationship and our connection with our children, right? So that they're seeing and living this value while continuing to grow and scale our businesses. And that was hard to find. That was out there, but I got lucky running into a niche of like-minded guys. And, that, and that's my that's my new tribe. And those, those are, those are the guys that I, I ride and die with now. And that I'm there with that. I can trust my kids to be around. They're the people that you don't get to pick your neighbors, right? Like you, you do and you don't, but like, those are the people that I want my kids being around that I want to send them down, down to this guy. They can learn the skill and hang out with these kids that they're having real conversations about building business, not about like bull crap and this and that and judgmental things. I want those high level conversations. That makes sense. Dude, it, It's so funny you say that. Cause I like, 
at family events and this and that when people are just talking about you know a movie from 10 years ago i, I love movies i love movie quotes but like at some point it's like you want to you want to focus on on real stuff like on sunday i'm i'm eager for monday i'm curious too this is a a random question but you mentioned all the technology devices we have now have you thought about how you would have leveraged nil if it was around when you were competing oh yeah i'm the and i could take it two ways i was just on the cusp of where that is i mean i had a big personality it was big in there so look at it as like i'm like the dan severin of the ufc right dan severin missed out on all that good stuff right and where it's at now which is great where it's at but i mean again right i'm it is what it is. I'm okay. I was able to get business and work a little harder for it. And I feel like it probably would have been different if that stuff was given to me. I don't know if I'd be where I was at if I could have leveraged that stuff a little bit better. Because I, I was able to get, I mean, I was up to making almost six figures, right, as a competitive wrestler, right, back in 2000, uh, you know, 11, 12, 13, right? Like, that wasn't happening that that often, right? There are the exceptions, but like now it's now it's insane the money that is poured in. It's great for it, but yeah, I would have I would have loved to leverage it because, and I think I still could, right? Which that gives me the mind is like, well, I still can, right? What's stopping me from doing it now? Right, nothing. Like I still, if I wanted to, go out and get things, and, and that's where I'm kind of done. Uh, that, but I, I just basically invest in those businesses or I'm partnered up with them in some ways, which is great. And you mentioned, you know. You've been in real estate. You've been in the dad's edge. You've got a lot going on. What would you say is your number one focus or is there a main area right now that you're focusing? Yeah. So right now our main folks, and I actually have it written above in my, my 2023 focuses. So I have mental health, physical health, marriage, kids, and career. So those are the five areas that we're focusing on. And my wife and I are welcoming our fourth child. Congrats. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Here in February. So one of our main focuses is just get used to that routine of life with a family of six, right? Yeah. Like we got our second coming in April, so I can't imagine the fourth coming. Congrats, man! <laughs> Thank yeah. you. And it and it's and it's just life changing. So like it, it's and again it goes to the thing. It's 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 myself and my faith, right? How am I showing up and how am I leading? And you have to start it because I put my auction mask on first before I help and assist other people. So that happens every day. So that's a big focus of myself. And then it stems into my family, right? What am I doing for my family? How am I showing up? How am I supporting them? Where, where am I there? Where do they need me? They need me physically. Do they need me mentally? They need me to, to produce more. What do we need as a family to do that? And then what's left over can spill into community, right? Because again, if, you, if you're not making enough money, and again, money's, money's a tool, right? I, I, it's good it's good or bad. It's it's a tool and it's energy and it's limitless. That's the mindset I choose to have around it. It's a limitless. It's, it's abundant. It's out there. Um, it's just figuring out ways and people to go get it because I can go make a bunch of money, but I'm not willing to do it at doing something I don't like and with people I don't want to be around. So I'm, I'm asking, well, well, not and or not how do I have a, a good body and be with my kids, right? Or sorry, be, have a good body and work out with my kids. And I'm asking myself, how do I have both? Yeah. How do I have it all, right? How might I set up my life so that I'm in great shape physically, that I'm surrounded by great people, that I'm doing work that brings me alive, that I'm bringing the income that's needed to do there and showing up how I needed to be. So my focus is always all of it, but it is always broken down to different sections because it's um, it, it's just about balancing. Right. How much of that career focus is wrestling right now or wrestling, like wrestling related coaching? And, you know, you've been involved in so many wrestling ventures, double leg ninja, the base wrestling system, all these things. How much of your career focus is wrestling versus non-wrestling? Really down right now. 
it, it's it's probably less than five percent. And, and where it is is I'm recognized because having a four and a half year old, I know I'm starting to get pulled in. I had to step away, right, to get the things that I wanted to get to. I had to step away from the wrestling world and go back so that I can build my businesses, so I could work to get the income in, so that I could come back in. Right. I still have this goal on this mission. I want to be the first Olympian to ever be the United States uh, team leader. Right. And I, and I know I can do that, um, you know, because you, what do you got to do? You got to give like about, I mean, it's like 500,000 a year, right over a four year cycle. So it's like $2 million I had to get ready to give Dang. to be in that position. Something, something like that. I don't, I don't know what the exact things are, but it's yeah. probably something. So maybe it's more, maybe it's less. I don't know. Um, so I had to step away to really leverage yeah. on what do I do in business? And now with my son being four and a half, right, I'm starting to be like, get pulled back in. And I, and I, I transitioned it. So instead of wrestling, I kind of did a lot more grappling, right? So it's yeah. more jujitsu, uh, working with jujitsu schools. I have like a jujitsu clinic coming up. I still did a wrestling clinic last week. I'll still do those bits and pieces, but now I'm like, how do I do those? It's not for the funding and the money. Um, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta be one worth my time and it's gotta be the people I want to be around. And then how do I bring my family along with it? Right. Mm -hmm. So like next week when I'm doing my jujitsu clinic, I'll bring my whole family up there and I'll be there in the room and we're going to stay at my buddy's house and it's his school and it's, and it's a good relationship. So I, I want to make sure that it's hitting all the boxes, right. That it's a hell yes, um, for the things that I want to go and do. Yeah. That's so important. And being able to bring your family around things is one of those areas that I look at life as a success that you can do that, that you can bring your family along. A um, couple of random questions here before I let you go. Cause your buddy, Andy, of course had to ask a question when I put it out on Twitter, he, he asked in your prime, which historical wrestler would you have wanted to compete against and why? Yeah. Buvesa uh, Satiev. Um, that was quick. That was, that was right at the top of your mind. <laughs> one of the best of all time, right at my weight class. Uh, around my weight class, right? Close enough. Um, that was there. Like he's, he, he he's who I want to, I want, I want to know where I'm at. You know, I, I want to go against the best to see where I'm at, whether I beat him or not. But man, I, I would love to go on and compete against him. Is the obvious answer, because I want to parlay that into, if you were in your prime right now, who would you want to wrestle right now? I'm guessing the answer is Sajulaya. David Taylor or Yazdani. Really? Yeah. Well, Sajulaya, um yeah, Sajalaya. Uh, and again, and I say it because I've wrestled David Taylor. So that's the thing. Like immediately when you say the best to compete, I'd say Kale, but I've wrestled Kale. Yeah. So it's got to be like somebody I haven't haven't gone against, right? And I've I've been in the room with David Taylor. I competed with him. Um, yeah, right now it'd be it'd be David Taylor or Yazdani because they're at my weight at my, right, my, that's my spot, if I'm in my prime, <laughs> right? And that would be that's right. always the fun things is how do you go prime versus prime, yeah. right? Like, oh man, that that would be that would be great. Um there so yeah it'd be funny if you did like a like mock preview of like a 2012 team or 2013 team versus 2023 team and you went with guys in their prime i know flow wrestling does that and other people do it it's always fun yeah um, shane, shane sparks got me on that because he did that with like me versus ed ruth in college and i was like dude <laughs> that already played out and happened how are you having him beat me like, get out of here right like <laughs> Yeah, but he's a big Chicago guy. So maybe it's, you know, not trying to give the bias to, you know, you. I don't know. Um, there was something else I was going to ask you about. Oh, maybe we already talked about it. 
Yeah, it's fascinating, Jake. I love watching your career now because I always, I personally love being involved with people who had a lot of success in wrestling and now they're having success outside of it. Because to me, people in business, people in the entrepreneur world who have wrestled, it's always a unique, there's all, there's a lot of success in that when you see a wrestler who has had success on the mat or even like me had no success on the mat, but now off the mat carrying those things in. So it's cool to see you um, doing all those things. Last thing here, if people want to engage with you, I love your Instagram bio, engage with me, become a better person. If people want to engage with you, how can you help people? What can you do? Yeah. So awesome question. So I, I am getting ready. I hope that I'm ready this summer to launch, but I really want to get that mentorship going. It's something that I've recognized that I've lost for like eighth grade through 12th grade, like young men, right? That's like, that's like the group that I want to do. And I want to take it as beyond the mat, right? How do I take what they're doing in wrestling and prepare them so that they're going to have success in college. And then they're therefore after in life. So around uh, learning physical literacy, uh, how their mind works, right? Uh, how they're, how they're, what are they doing physically? They're dying. Please they're teach them financial literacy. That's the because, second one. Oof. Physical literacy, financial literacy, emotional literacy, how our emotions work and everything else. And then um, spirit, you know, spiritual too. And, and that's the way that I look at it too, because none of this stuff is taught in schools. I know. None of this is in there. And, and something that you can Google for later is Matt, Matt Boardwall and Action Academy. Uh, it, it is man, like I look at my life and how blessed I am is I've gotten to learn the physical literacy for the first 31 years of my life because being wrestling and training, how to get my, and that, and that goes with mindset too. So it's just not just physically, but mentally. So I got all that physical and mental literacy to a level that is beyond where other people would ever like dream of going. Right. And again, I could go more There are people that are at higher levels, but I got to a very high level of that. So then I spent the next years learning financial literacy the path of money. How does money work? How does it work? How do I, how do I, what's an asset? What's a liability? How do I invest in things? How do I invest in businesses? How do I invest in people? How do you do this? And then you go to the, the emotional side. Well, how are my emotions work? How come I'm yelling uh, at my kid and I'm super upset? Why do I interact in this thing? Why does this trigger me? Why does that happen? How do I behave? How, what tools can I use to change it? And these are things that are never taught in school. Yep. But these are big things for these people to have success. Because once you have a kid, if I have a 15-year-old kid or an 18-year-old kid that understands how money works, that can understand how to keep themselves healthy, physically, and mental, uh, and that understands their emotional control and how to talk to people, man, and, and that's not done anywhere. So that's that's through mentorship. So my intention is to launch that um, this summer and make it an eight-week course. Right, love right. That. For the kids and get on, and then see where it goes from there. Right, it maybe it grows into something bigger and longer. Maybe, maybe it, maybe it doesn't. I don't know, but that's that's the big thing. And then the other thing is too, if if you're a, a father who's a business owner, um, coming to dad's age, like that's that's the thing. Like my one of my life missions was that I want to leave the people that I love, right, and interact with the places that I go and the things that I do. I want to leave them better than I found them. Yep. For the most part. And I'm not perfect at it, but that that's it. So if, if again, if you're going to engage with me, I'm going to force you to level up, right? Rather you like it or not in different areas. And you're going to do the same for me. I'm going to sit there, right? Like it's, look at this conversation. We both got a ton out of this, right? Like I'm taking away a lot of things from what you have and what you did. And I know you're taking a lot of things away from me, which is great too. And it's going to level up. So I want to continue to engage with higher level people that are thinking of that, right? That are in those positions that can do things because that's how we ultimately change the world. So yeah, just my, my email is jake.herbertwan at gmail.com. You can shoot me messages on Instagram or whatever. 
Um, you know, on Facebook, I, I get back to those things um, there. And, and that's that's like kind of like this year. How do I get more organized about funneling people in there? It's funny. We were talking about numbers, you know, podcast numbers and this and that before. And, and I knew kind of why you're asking and stuff. But like a lot of people, when they ask me because they're thinking about maybe starting a podcast, I always tell them that one of the reasons I started this podcast was number one, to bring conversations that I'm grateful to have behind the scenes to the surface. Yeah. You know, I, I might run into you at NCAAs, have a great conversation and wish other people could hear it. The other aspect is it is a great excuse to have a 30, 60 minute conversation that probably is very hard to fit in conversation. If I just texted every single person I've had on the podcast and say, hey, you have 60 minutes to just talk today. Like, I want to pick your brain, isn't that like, I'm not the guy to do that. But if I can do that and we can do that and bring it to people, like if nobody listened to this podcast, nobody, I wouldn't regret doing it. I'd yeah. do it again. <laughs> you know, I'd have a follow-up. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time because I'm the same way, man. I I'm grateful to, I'm, I'm pretty selfish that I'm trying to absorb stuff as guests come on here that have had success. And it's like absorb as much as you can, but I know you're bringing value and entertainment to many people listening. So thank you. Well, we'll definitely have to do this again. Are you, are you following like college wrestling a lot right now? Not as much as I, I need to. I got my big 10 tickets. I got my house from there. I actually have a whole house and I don't even know like who's going to be in there yet. So maybe it's like, <laughs> I, I got rent an Airbnb. I got early with things. I'm like here at Santa Ann Arbor. Like I have my baby coming, uh, February, like 9th or 10th ish, right. Somewhere around there. Uh, yeah. so my wife is now mother of four. And then now big tens are March 5th and 6th. And the only reason why I got the go ahead, cause it's also on my birthday. So now, you know, and it's only a way. So I'm like, Hey, I'm going to leave on a Saturday, go down, enjoy it, stay the night down there, Saturday night, watch the finals drive home Sunday. Right. Yeah. I'm like, babe, you can do this. I got, you got 36 hours. I need to bring people in. What do I need to do? So I got like two, I just bought two tickets just to get reserved. I have like a house, but I don't know who the heck I'm going with yet. I'm like, I'm like, like pulling out all my friends from all over. I'm like, Hey, are you going to fly in for this? You're going to kind of like, I have it all set up just in case. Yeah. And I have no idea what will end up happening for it. So I got it's funny. <laughs> I, it's funny being in that, like I'm in kind of an awkward middle stage where it's like, so my son's 11 months old. We're having baby number two at the end of April. And it's like, I'm in that awkward time where it's like, I hate, I left NCAAs early because I missed my son so much. Like he was two months old yeah. and I literally left with like three matches to go. Cause it was either catch the, that late flight or like Sunday afternoon. So yeah. now this year's a tough year because like he's kind of too young to bring, but I also don't really want to miss going to NCAA. So it's like, I can't wait for a couple more years from now when he's like, yeah. your son's agent's like, all right, let's go. You're going to go with daddy. We're going to NCAAs. <laughs> and it, it was a blast. I took Michael down to the session because we were here in, in, um, in Detroit last year, which is mm -hmm. great. So I remember taking him to the whole session and I misread it. So we got down there an hour early. We walked around, you know, got like a picture of him in front of like the Hodge trophy and all this stuff. And it was so funny. Got him a big thing of popcorn. And as soon as the lights went on, it went on. He was like, oh, this is so good. I took him down, got to like walk on the floor, see the people. And, and as soon as the session started, he turns to me and goes, hey, I'm ready to go home. You know what I'm like? <laughs> like it couldn't have been time any better. And I'm like, no, like so he's like right. having like my friends in the background, like wrestling them, like in the background, like running around like a maniac, just being a kid, not paying attention. But it was like, yeah, you know, that's that that was early four, or maybe he was like three and a half at that point. Um yeah, that's it, funny. It, it, I know what you mean. And 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 Justin, I struggled with that too because I, I wanted to be the dad that was there every morning to see them when they get up. And then there every night when they when they get to bed 
And now what I've realized as I've gotten older and older is it's really selfish because it's about me, right? If I'm showing up to help my wife, that's one thing. Yeah. Um, but it's a different thing. What's really funny is I used to go get up at like, you know, 5 a.m., get my workout in. And I'd be like, oh, I got like, uh, I don't have a meeting until 9.30. It's eight o'clock. I'll just stop at home half an hour before the kids, you know, you know, get off or do something and, 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 and say what's up. And I'd come home. It'd be chaos. I got to the point my wife would be like, stop coming home. And it, 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 it's weird with parenting. It was, it was easier if it's just one of us, right? Yeah. If mom's gone, they have no other option. It's just dad's putting down the bed. They have no other choice. They yeah. do it. But when then they'll start to play off of you and oh, put yeah. things in and act up. So like at times I've started recognizing that, right? Like, all right, I don't need to be there every single night. And it's not purposeful, intentional. If, if I'm just doing it for me, that's one thing. If I'm doing it to help with my wife, it's another thing. But because it's just me, like, all right, it's, it's, it's the occasion, the occasion is I'm gone for a weekend or I miss a night or I'm away for work. It's not the norm. I'm not traveling yeah. six to 10 days a week. So it's that yeah. that group really helped me with that mindset and talk through it and, and hear what other entrepreneurs, because now I'm on like kid number four. And it's just so funny, like your preparation for kid one of what oh, you got yeah. to get ready <laughs> oh, compared yeah. to number two. And then now go to like three and four. I'm like, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, man. And you do have to be purposeful with stuff. Like my son loves um, brushing his teeth when I brush mine, he doesn't really brush his teeth. He just sticks his toothbrush in his mouth and looks at me and, yeah. you know, but I, I always tell my wife, like, even if I'm working, like come and get me. And like, I want to be purposeful with like, it, it's a blessing to be able to work from home when he really enjoys, you know, I try to do bath time as much as I can. We try to brush our teeth together. Yeah. So I love it. All right, Jake, I'm going to let you go. I know you got a lot to do. Thank you for making the time. Yep. And again, we'll definitely do this again soon, man. Appreciate you, Justin. See ya. Awesome. See ya. And the beat goes on.